intersectionality is sort of a, lo- a long list of the losers and the winners in society. Okay, so in, if you're, I'll give you an example. So at the top of the intersectional pole, you have a, you know, maybe particularly in the Western world, you have a white, straight, heterosexual, Christian, able-bodied um, male. Okay, that's like he's the top of the heap. And then at the bottom would be a disabled person of color who is a transgender, you know, and, uh, and they're fat, you know, like, and so it's, it's, the idea is basically that our society values this guy up here and then our society hates this person down here and they're, this is, and our society is not made for these people down here. It's made for this, this person up here. And some of that, like, is quite frankly some of there, some, there is some truth to that. Right. Welcome to This Is Us podcast. I'm your host Thomas Hansen, and my wife and I have the honor of serving alongside an amazing team as lead pastors of Hillsong Church in Denmark and Malmo. This podcast is a collection of short episodes regarding life, leadership, and culture. If you haven't done so already, please click follow and subscribe. And as always, if you find this to be valuable, feel free to share it with others. Well, welcome to December and welcome to This Is Us podcast. We got something very exciting for you. Today we are speaking with Nathan Finocchio. He's the co-founder of Theos U, which is an online Bible college, which is an online theological seminary. Some has described it as the Netflix of Christian education. Man, that's a good quote. And uh, Nathan, he's used around the world both as a speaker he goes in and he helps churches, even with the theological side of training um, our volunteers and churches. He's an author, and you are going to love him. Today, we are speaking about critical theory, trigger culture, cancer culture. You would have heard some of these words. You would have read some of the hashtags around the place, and we're going to be talking about this. What is it? Why is it a problem? Is it a problem? And what can we do as Christians to make sure we're speaking into this culture and this whole area of what is going on in life right now. So here it is. Hope you enjoy. And um, I don't know if this is one of those episodes where we need to do a trigger warning at the start of the episode, but you're hereby warned. So let's let's go. Oh my gosh. What up? What are we doing? I'm ready to do this. You've got the button. You look comfortable. I actually am comfortable, even though I just came from the dentist, half my face is numb. That's the, Ooh, that's, hear that. that's the side I'm hiding with the microphone. I just came from the bakery. How was the bakery? Half of my body is numb. <laughs> I wish I could have a Danish pastry right now. You are a little bit of a pastry, aren't you? Uh, uh, these days I am. Hello. You, well, you were going to be here, and um, we are aiming for spring or summer. I'm going to be guaranteed going to be back in the spring, and I think I'm going to be based out of Europe in the summer. Speaking of, should we get into it? <laughs> Let's do it. I'm just going to hit you with a bunch of questions, some thoughts, ideas. But Nathan, do you want to just um, do you want to just tell us a little bit for those who haven't got to know you or encountered the phenomenon called Nathan Finocchio? Could you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? I, uh, last couple of years, I have uh, started a online theological school. It's called Theos U, and um, and then we launched a a an online Bible college called Bath Seminary last year, and um, 
So have a bunch of over 5,000 subscribers um, from all over the world. Basically, we teach, you know, the Bible, uh, upload a bunch of new content every every month. And um, so I have a growing faculty and um, and then I travel uh, and speak at churches and help churches uh, put together trainings and discipleship programs and all that kind of stuff. I know, yeah. I know that a lot of people in our church, they're enjoying your subscription theology and courses and um, they're enjoying it and getting a lot from it. One of the things sure. now, obviously following you on Instagram, that's a ride because you <laughs> never know what you're going to get hit with. It's like driving down the freeway with the top down. You just don't know what's going to be smacking you in the face at any given moment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but one of the things, if we're going to just start out slow, one of the things you've been talking about lately is critical theory. Could you explain what it is and, I guess, why it's a challenge? Yeah. So the origins, uh, I'll just give you kind of like a, a two-minute tour really quickly. The origins of critical theory um, are postmodern, is postmodernist philosophy. Basically, there's a, a couple, bunch of French guys and German guys all sitting around drinking cognac and smoking cigars and thinking, hey, you know, everything that we experience has been created by other people. And there's a lot of power that brokers uh, authority and, and concepts, you know, like even the language that we use, it's been created by the church. It's been created by, um, you know, thousands of years of culture and people are in, in charge of it. Etc. And so there's a lot of power uh, behind curtain, and um, and so they believe that you know basically essentially the idea of the matrix, like that's what postmodernist philosophy is. It's that there is what you and I are living in is a simulation um, brokered by the powers that be, and somehow we can get outside of that if we tear down all the existing meta narratives. So the meta narratives about faith and religion and right and wrong and morality. Um, but, but see all of these concepts, these concepts about morality and right and wrong and governance and economics, they're all baked. I mean, right into the basic in right into our language, right into the way that we communicate. And so um, that's kind of like the seed bed idea of critical theory. Um, so, uh, applied, so that's postmodernism. Applied postmodernism is going, uh, there is, everything is power. Everything truly is baked in and we need to fight the power and we need to destroy it. And, and so we need to find it. Um, it's kind of like listening in between the lines constantly, you know, like it's, it's, it's almost like paranoid, it's being paranoid constantly. Like, oh, there's power. Where's power operating? Where's power, you know, so for example, um, the question in critical theory is not, did racism happen? The question is, how did racism manifest itself in this moment? Or it's not that the patriarchy um, just happened. It's how did the patriarchy just manifest itself? And, you know, in this moment between, you know, between Thomas and, and Nathan, there's racism, ableism, patriarchy, misogyny. They're all operating right now. Right. in this conversation somehow. And so critical theorists are always looking to problematize everything that they see through the lens of um, 
of what they call intersectionality. Intersectionality is sort of a, lo- a long list of the losers and the winners in society. Okay, so in, if you're, I'll give you an example. So at the top of the intersectional pole, you have a, you know, maybe it's particularly in the Western world, you have a white, straight, heterosexual, Christian, able-bodied um, male. Okay, that's like, he's the top of the heap. And then at the bottom would be a disabled person of color who is a transgender, you know, and, uh, and they're fat, you know, like, and so it, it, the idea is basically that our society values this guy up here and then our society hates this person down here and they're the, and our society is not made for these people down here. It's made for this, this person up here. And some of that, like, is quite frankly, some of there, some, there is some truth to this. Right. There is some truth to like, um, particularly in the past, where there's been overt, um, you know, for example, like if somebody's in a wheelchair, I mean, it's really hard to access some places in our cities at times because you're in a wheelchair and our cities were built hundreds of years ago and there's no wheelchair access to get into maybe the Tivoli, you know, or, you know, wherever it is. Well, and so well, what in we've that, done in is that this, case, you'll be okay. Just that example, you'll yeah, be yeah, okay. Yeah. Just, just letting you know out there that if you ever want to come to Copenhagen and you're in a wheelchair, you're more than welcome. Okay, good, 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 good. Just want to okay. put it out there. Just, you know, yeah. we're going to well, get it right. I'm glad, that, I'm glad that you got that right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the idea is we need to go back through and we need to, where there is, where people ha- don't have points of access to our society, we need to be able to, we need to go back through and make sure that people do have access to our society. And I think that for the for the most part, like we've done that. So from people in wheelchairs to, um, you know, people who, um, to you know, to get the acceptance of, of gay people in society, um, you know, stuff like that. Like this is all good stuff. You know, like um, we should nobody should be racist. Nobody should not be allowed to. There should be no there should be no racism in soccer, for example, and the, you know, and um, these are all good things. But what critical race theory basically says, though, is that um, okay, so maybe you've changed the outside, but deep inside, the societies are still racist. A white cisgendered male, he's he's he still hates women. He still hates fat people, you know, and it 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 subvert. And so essentially what they, they seek to do in critical race theory is to basically categorize everybody in these, these, these big, these big, these boxes and go, you know, oh, you're a, you're, you know, based, based on where you fall on that intersectional scale, you should get advantages right now, or you should get disadvantages right now. And ultimately, even your opinions, they don't matter because if you're up here, nobody cares about you. You know, don't talk white, white straight male. You know, don't have any positions of leadership or power. Um, deplatform yourself, and so that that's kind of critical race theory, um, or or critical theory rather, in a nutshell. It's and and part of the problems as guys like Jordan Peterson and others have noticed, it's like people are more than their intersectional um, tribe. Right. You know, like um, I'm not limited to like, for example. In America, there's black. There's a lot of black people who are conservatives, and they and it, it. You know what? You know how could a black person be a politically conservative person? Well, well, because like black people aren't a monolith, and they think for themselves. They're individuals, 
And we have this amazing thing called individualism in, in society. Well, there's women who um, believe that that it's okay that, that that there's women literally that believe that they want to stay home and they want to be a, a mother and they're really satisfied doing that and they think that it's actually super fulfilling for them and they don't fit in their intersectional category. You know, for example, because every woman should be a feminist. Well, some women don't believe in third wave feminism and of course feminists would go well you're just you're you know that you're just so suppressed and you're so oppressed right um that you've kind of acquiesced to you you know you've fallen in love with your oppressor um but people are more than their intersectional uh the sum of their intersectionality and um so that's kind of critical race theory critical critic or critical theory in general it wants to organize society and really divide us um but always talk about power and always to, to the point of paranoia you know that that anybody who's fat or anybody who's in a wheelchair or anybody who's gay or a woman you know or a person of color they should always be paranoid that society's working against them um and i don't think it's helpful in the church because as we read the book of galatians we see that like there's neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female like the cross has brought it, it jesus in his body destroyed every dividing wall right and he he did all the work of reconciliation so that i can love and have genuine relationship with people who maybe i couldn't out in the world jesus is the one who reconciled us together and so the church is like this healing place uh that not only are we against racism but we're also against these strange theories that would seek to continue to divide us um or seek to continue to, you know, cause people to do penance for things that they weren't even, you know, guilty of, or perhaps aren't guilty of in, in the moment. Um, so that's, a, that's basically um, critical theory in a nutshell. It's interesting because, you know, we live in a world of trigger culture. I mean, and, you know, as a pastor, public speaker, you would see it as well, you know, like, you're constantly in the back of your head. If you don't watch out, you're constantly thinking, okay, who am I going to trigger? What am I going to trigger? Or like you're about to say something and you know, oh man, this is going to trigger so many conversations this week and emails and whatever. And, you know, I think one of the things that you often hear back is people saying, yeah, but the only people Jesus offended were the religious people. Everyone else he was good to and he adjusted to everyone else. And so really, is, does that mean that we should be adjusting to every person? I'm not saying we should be insensitive. But, you know, like, are we at a point now where we should have a trigger warning at the start of every church service? <laughs> I mean, I think culturally, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, because this is, this is what's happening in our universities. We aren't, I don't think that we're educating, we're not exposing kids to uh, multiple points of view. I think we're 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 creating uh, babies, right. who are cultural babies who they 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 we're we're creating activists. We're not creating thinkers anymore. Um, you know the the war on free speech and universities. So yeah, I mean these kids are coming to our church. They're coming to a church near you, and then you read the Bible to them and you tell them that they have sinned and they just absolutely fold like a bad hand. <laughs> yeah. But do you but do you think that we should be lowering ourselves to accommodate to them, or do you think it's it's a bit of tough love? I think it's probably a little bit of both. 
Um, you know, so there's definitely language that I don't use anymore. You know, like growing up in high school, I would use certain phrases and language, you know, um, that is not PC anymore. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't want to offend people unnecessarily. So I think I want to offend people for the right reasons, right? Like, so um the if the gospel is offensive man that's good you know like the gospel should be offensive to me <laughs> i mean paul said that it was a stumbling block yeah <laughs> you know like um jesus literally is a stumbling block he was a stumbling block in his day to all types of people in various places of people high up in power uh you know as as pastor brian says the up and outers and the down and outers yeah um and so i think that um if there's places in I think that as a public speaker or a pastor or whatever, I think it's probably a good idea to not offend people for unnecessary reasons. Um, you know, so maybe, um, and, and then, but then absolutely never pull back, uh, never pull punches when it comes to the gospel. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were sitting with some friends the other day and we were talking about different parts of the world and we were like, wait, can we say this? And, you know, we ended up Googling the history of different words, you know, go, like, what is this? Like, where are we at now? And, I mean, the question is, will the pendulum ever swing back the other way? Um, well, European history says it always does. Right. I mean, I mean, and it always swings hard. <laughs> it swings hard. <laughs> That sucker is going to come back with a yeah, vengeance. Like, yeah, karma's a you-know-what. <laughs> can't say that. That's not PC. No, can't say it. But as a um, Californian-American traveling frequently to Europe, what do you see? Uh, I, I think that like Europeans are divided. I don't, and I, I think it's kind of probably similar to Americans. Um, I think that we're divided over a lot of things. Um, I think it definitely varies from country to country. Like the Brits are not, they don't think like the French, the French don't think like, you know, the Germans, the Germans, I mean, Germans pretty, Germany is a pretty fractured place. Um, I mean, I, I imagine that Denmark would be very unique to all of the aforementioned countries, you know, politically, philosophically, culturally. Um, but I think, I think, uh, I think there's there's definitely people who are going. You know what? I think PC culture sucks, and 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 I think that a lot of people are starting to realize, like, man, no, I think it's better to live in a world that's like. I mean, and we're starting to see it in prominent figures like Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, you know, in America, mm. um, Bill Maher, um, just people going like these, these people aren't conservative, these people aren't Republican. These people are, you know, uh, socially liberal, you know, left-leaning Democrats, and they're going, PC culture is destructive. It it destroys comedy. It destroys the film industry. Nobody laughs at jokes anymore. Everybody's uptight because everybody's this virtue-signaling social justice warrior, and you're just, you know, like, you can't, can't laugh. I mean, I think my experience with Europeans is that they actually – love to tell this is the way they're different from the americans i think that they love to tell the truth like they're direct like europeans do not mince words 
you know if they like you or not pretty much straight away. Yeah. Um, and they can take a joke. Like, for the most part. Um, <laughs> I think that Americans sometimes don't tend to, you know, take jokes very well. And so I, I hope that America would be a bit more like Europe, where it's like if we were a bit more direct and we, you know, we're a little bit, uh, we don't take ourselves so seriously. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're in a crazy season, hey, like with, you know, the, the COVID-19 and vaccines and, you know, I think as a pastor, you, you're constantly getting asked that question, how much can you, how much can you apply Bible to? Like, am I allowed to talk about the vaccine with a Bible in my hand? Because you got, you know, you got the few loud people that will say, we can definitely talk about it. And it's the mark of the beast. And then you got another loud side that says, you should definitely not talk about the Bible. It's got nothing to do with it. It's all political. And you find yourself constantly on this crossroad. How do you, how do you navigate that? Well, I have the privilege of not being a local church pastor. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Thank you for that input. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, um, I don't have it as bad as you guys do. You know, like I get, I kind of visit churches and then y'all just clean the mess up. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I, I know that it's been, this has been easily one of the hardest things for a local church pastor to navigate because it's like, yeah. you know, like in America, in America, the, none of the police enforce any COVID rules. Right. Like the sheriff, the sheriff's department in LA and Los Angeles is the most strict city in all of America. The sheriff won't even enforce the, the, the rules, won't give out fines for masks, won't give up, like, don't even bother calling the cops on people because they're not coming because they don't care. You know, so it's like America's just a different beast altogether. Yeah. You know, and then you've got Austria and Germany right now. You know, I mean, it's crazy, dude. It is crazy. And you see, you know, you talk about culture and how every country is different. You see how people respond to the current situation and what it says about those cultures. Yeah. It's just, yeah. <laughs> but I love that. I love that the Germans haven't let us down. You know, it's like they're all, they've always been like that. And they will all, like, <laughs> where are your papers? You know, so you want to get on the train. Schnau, schnau. It's like, I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm loving it. Everyone, I'm like, I'm like, it's amazing. Everyone's just a parody on themselves. It's brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> and dude, I'm, I'm vaccinated. Like, so I wear a mask. You know, I'm double vaccinated. I'm probably gonna get a booster. Um, I'll get whatever they tell me that I need to get. Like, if whatever allows me to travel, I don't care at this point. You know, like, um. My parents aren't vaccinated. My brother's not. He's, my brother is an anti-vaxxer. It's amazing. Right. Um, and I think I reckon that, like, as pastors, what we, you know, and leaders, I think the best thing that we can do is just support people who aren't vaccinated, support people who are vaccinated, you know, minister to both of them, obey the government the best that we can, you know. But it's so, it's so cultural, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Thank you for listening to This Is Us podcast. Whether you listen to them as an individual or as a team, we hope that they add value to you. Make sure to click follow or subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you for joining us. We are who we are. This is us.